Welcome to episode pod. Welcome to Too Old for This Podcast, episode 22, Stranger Things Season 3 Review. We are going to review the entire season. We're going to talk about seasons 1 and 2. We're going to talk about predictions and theories for season 4. We've got, we've got cosplay Sarah here as a guest today. So without further ado, on Nerd and Up Nerd, let's start the show. What up, my brother? Gabby. Sarah. What up, my hey. sister? I, I fucked up the intro. I'm sorry. I, I, I always fuck up the intro a little bit, but I really stumbled on it this time, and I'm feeling bad about it. But I'll, I'll try to get past it. Because <laughs> today, we're going to talk about st- Stranger Things. All things Stranger. Spooky. Yeah. <laughs> There it is. There it is. <laughs> now, are we going to talk about the whole series, or you just want to talk about uh, season? No, two? we're going to we're going to review season three in detail. But before we do that, I'm going to do a quick review of season one and two, just so everybody knows where we are in the story okay. before we get started. And and at the end, if we have time, I want to talk about my theories and predictions for season four because I think I've got this whole thing mapped out now. I think I know exactly where we're going, and I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert! Uh, this is going to be a great review for season three for me, anyway. I loved it. I know. I know you guys enjoyed it too. Yeah. Um, but before we get into it, before we get into it, Kev, how was your week? My week was uh, my week was good, man. My week was good. No complaints. Um, so I did end up going to watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes, um, and we're going, be, we're going to be reviewing that very soon. Our next episode, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, but you saw it. Yeah, you saw it. Uh, just a quick off the top uh, um, reaction. Quick off the top reaction. Uh, I liked it. I didn't love it. Okay. So, okay. Okay. That being said, I also felt the same way about Hateful Eight when I first saw it, and then right. after watching it again, and then ending ending up watching it again, I ended up loving it. So. Again, like if I watch this again, maybe maybe I'll I'll find a okay. new appreciation. But as of right now, I will say it was good. Don't give away too much because I haven't seen it yet. I'm still okay. really excited to see it. Uh, Tarantino, uh, one of my favorite directors. Yep, definitely watch and, it. I um, would not deter you from watching it. That's for sure. Uh, it's definitely okay, worth we're, a watch. We're going to review that this week, and we're going to get that out uh, before next weekend. Yeah. Um, Sarah, how have you been? We haven't seen you in a while now. When was the last yeah. time you were on? What what were you uh-huh. asked for? Game was it this the end of Game of Thrones? Wow, that was a while ago. What have you been up to? I know you've done a bunch of new cosplay since then. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen you on Instagram. Everybody can check out Sarah's Instagram. Uh, it's at Sari Canary on Instagram, <laughs> and I've, I saw your Wonder Woman, which was fantastic. Probably, yeah. the, probably the best uh, amateur Wonder Woman cosplay I've seen ever. I'm, uh, I'm waiting. On, I'm waiting on new photos from this weekend. I, I uh, redid my Wonder Woman actually. Oh yeah, and I'm very excited about it. Nice. Yeah, I, I, was, that then. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on her name, but the girl from uh, from um, uh, Guardians that you did as well. Uh, Nebula. Nebula, thank you. I wanted to yeah, say yeah. Gamora, but I, I knew <laughs> that was wrong. Yeah, that oh, one's really other- good too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Nebula's great, and I recently just saw you uh, doing, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Phoenix. Uh, Dean Gray. Dean Gray, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and where were you for that? I, I, where were those pictures from? Um, they were from Con Bravo this weekend. It was a, just a small convention up in Hamilton. So okay, I went cool. with 
friends and yeah we just kind of did some photo shoots and bought some stuff your gene gray looked like it was a comic book uh, faithful uh, version of the Jean Grey costume. Not not one that we've seen in the X-Men movies, but like the legit comic book version or like from the animated yeah. TV series. Yeah, we, we did the Jim Lee version, the Jim Lee artwork. So it was uh, fun. You look fantastic. And everybody make sure you check out Sarah's Instagram at uh, Sarah Canary uh, to, to check you. out all of her costumes. Um, you are, you know what? And I want, ah, I just remembered, I haven't, I told you so for you. Uh, I recently saw you in a commercial online for <laughs> Fan Expo Toronto. Yeah, right. You, and you know what? You know where I'm going with this, right? I do. When we had you, uh, when we had you on, and your cosplayer friends, we had the uh, the Game of Thrones cosplay panel uh, to review Game of Thrones. On the very first episode, when I had you on, I said that you all were the unsung heroes of the fandom community because you bas- <laughs> you basically work. For these conventions, when people go to these conventions, I uh, th- this is this is absolutely true. Ninety percent of the people who go to conventions don't go to buy a bunch of stuff or or do a lot of paid stuff besides paying admission to get in and then just seeing everything there and getting pictures with all of the cosplayers. Getting pictures with the cosplayers at the conventions is like ninety percent of most people's experience at the conventions. So you guys not only go do this for free, but you pay to get in. Like you. <laughs> You really are heroes to the fandom community, and and Fan Expo Toronto proved it mm-hmm. to me last week when I saw this advertisement featuring Sarah in her Captain Marvel cosplay from <laughs> Fan Expo last year, and probably hundreds of other cosplayers were in this commercial too, oh, yeah. uh, all working for free and all promoting wow. Fan Expo. Um, so I feel vindicated by that. How do you feel? About that? <laughs> Um, I'm really glad that they didn't put the full clip of me in because, oh my, I was cringing at myself. Mm-hmm. Like, they asked us to, like, explain what Fan Expo was, and I just remember, like, having zero clue what to say. So I just word vomited. I don't even know what I said. And I was just so grateful they didn't even put the whole thing in. Right, but, right. um, yeah, it was it was really cool to see me there. Your costume was, looked um, great. Thank you. Um, the Fan Expo, the same company that does March Comic Con. They even had um, on their site last year, like on their attractions page, a picture of me and my friends in Game of Thrones outfits. And I nice. had no idea that they even did that until just yeah. recently, actually. But you know what? Sure. I was, I was, I meant to ask you uh, if you had ever signed anything uh, that gave them the rights to use your images. And then I realized, I remembered that we all signed that when we when we buy our ticket to to go into Fan Expo. We all we all sign away the rights to any images that might be taken of us while we're in there. In yeah. the in the there's a disclaimer that we sign when we get into Fan Expo. So um, they automatically have taken care of that. You know, like nobody is going to be coming out after us for their image rights because if you paid to get into Fan Expo, you've given them you've given them to us. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think um, I, I wonder if there's going to be changes coming in the future as this community gets bigger and bigger, and it just can, continues to grow, right? Like I keep thinking about like how 30 years ago, 20 years ago, this kind of thing didn't really exist, like except on a very, very small scale, right? But now it's like mainstream culture; it's huge business. I wonder if we're going to start seeing pushback on the industry about things like this, about hey we're kind of working for you for free. We're making money for you here. And um, are you ever going to cut us into that? I don't know. But 
That would be awesome. It's a, <laughs> I will never say no to that idea. <laughs> I bet, I bet, because I know you put a lot of work in, like, like you come from, you know, kind of a, a sect, a community of people. You put a lot of work into building these costumes, designing these costumes, making them. I know, I know you do. I talk to you all the time, and you're always working on your costumes. And, um, you know, you, you do it for love. Uh, you do yeah, it for, sure. uh, for as a passion, and um, th- there's no money in it. Even though you're, you're you're really putting work and labor and and skill into it, so um, I, it's a fascinating thing. I, I think it's a, I think you're um, you're pillars of the fandom community. You do you definitely you definitely <laughs> do a service to all of us. Thank you. Anyway, you're um so anyway I, I i told you so i told you so was the point of that little segue anyway. <laughs> stranger stranger things season three should we get to it let's do it yeah can we hear that music again kev can we get in the mood can we get in the vibe absolutely because because the mind flayer the mind flayer is out there bro. yeah the mind flayer here it is stranger things three if you were a kid in the 80s this series feels like somebody took a camera and pointed it at your childhood and put it on television. And added Only a bunch of uh, demons monsters. In there. Oh, yeah, yes. monsters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a love for this this series now um, that is is really deep and true. And now that we're three seasons in, and we have a lore and a backstory that's getting deeper and more complex and more intricate. Uh, there's so much to talk about. Yeah. I agree. So let's, and okay. Can I ask you something right off the top, yeah. actually? Yeah. Yeah. Is this your favorite season? Uh, I was going to say, yes, yes, I think it is. And yes. now that there's, there's a caveat here because it depends on the previous two seasons. Mm. This is my favorite season because it's so good because we have two seasons of setup that is coming out in payoffs in this season right now. Right. Um, like I loved season one. I really did because I, but, but it was mostly about that eighties nostalgia and that kind of feel yeah. that it like felt, it felt like so many things I love from the eighties and there was some cool, nice character work in there too. Um, but that wouldn't have been enough, right? Like, if that was all it was, then, you know, season one would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Season two, I'm like, I don't know if this can sustain. But season two, I've, it was weak, was the weakest one to me. It was the slowest yeah. one to me. Yeah. Um, but season three came out and proved itself, in my opinion. I, you, like, the first three episodes of this season, I was shaky. I was iffy. I was like, I don't know. I'm like, you know, I'm kind of... I don't know if I'm really feeling this. I don't know if I'm really on board for this. And then season four hits. And not only is it one of the greatest, most fun episodes of television I've watched in a long, long time, but it is a result of so much payoff of groundwork that's laid before of setups that have been, that have been, you know, of, of Joyce's whole arc for season one and season two of, of, you know, Bob's death, uh, life and death in season two, right? <laughs> um, uh, uh, Hopper being on the on kind of the outside of Joyce for mm. this whole time, and all of us kind of wondering, like, because these two are obviously the two main adult characters, Joyce and Hopper, yeah. right? Yeah. So you know, in the back of our minds, it was always there that these two have to eventually. And then in season two, Bob was that curveball that was like, oh, maybe not, right? Mm. But this is all again, this is all set up and payoff. This was, in my opinion, there is a long term plan for. 
Stranger Things. I believe the showrunners, the writers, and the creators have a four- or five-year plan for this. I think I know exactly what season four is going to be, mm-hmm. and we're going to get to that later at the end of the episode. But um, I am in love with – after after season three, like – you know, season one and two, I wasn't sure, but season three, I'm in love with the writing of the show. I believe yeah. that it's brilliantly crafted. Yeah. Yeah. It's architecturally sound. And um, I, uh, I'm i excited uh, going forward uh, to see where we're going with this. I just love um, how like every single every single season pays homage to like an old film. So um, edit. Huh? Many old films, honestly. Well, I think no, there's no, like many, from the many. from the oh yeah, yeah, definitely many. But I mean, like season one felt like the Goonies meets ET meets like Alien, Poltergeist, right? And, and Poltergeist, yes, I forgot about that. And then um, season two, I'm drawing a blank on what that really because, like, like you said, that was the weakest season. And then season three was just like the thing. Like the thing was like all over that 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 whole. That's season. true. That's true. It was like, very it was much a, the thing. Yeah. yeah, there was a thing poster in one of the kids' rooms. You know what I mean? Like, I just I don't know. I just I I love that. And oh, and the and thing, the but also the a ton of Terminator. But yeah. okay, Back to the Future is another one. Yeah, that is yeah, yeah. like not only is Back to the Future actually in season yeah. three. Yeah. But Back to the Future themes and tropes are spread and littered throughout season yeah. three. Yeah. But but what but before we get to ahead of ourselves, let's try okay. to review the story a little bit. So let's just try to review the storyline of Stranger Things so far. What we know, so everything begins back in the 1950s or 1960s with a CIA project that was actually a real thing in the real world called MK Ultra, okay. and this was a project where the CIA actually did mind experiments with mind control, trying to see how like what they could do to, maybe to create like super powered secret agents. Or like uh, super controlled secret agents. This was a real thing that happened in the in the in the fifties and sixties uh, in America. Uh, we he- we've heard lots of stories about them using LSD mm. uh, in experiments um, on people. So uh, this whole Stranger Things is based on a real life thing. This Project MK Ultra. But in the Stranger Things world, we have a character played by Matthew Modine, a fantastic eighties. Uh, uh, stalwart of an actor um, who plays Dr. Brennan, I think his name is, uh, and he and he is basically the Papa of Eleven. He's right. he's when we see him, he's like the mad scientist who created this superpowered little girl. Basically, mm-hmm. um, we learn later on that he kidnapped her from her mother and and uh, did terrible things to her mother so that she's like, you know, um, in a catatonic state and you know is uh, can't be a factor anymore but um the relationship between eleven and uh matt modine's character is she calls him papa he, she's like a he's he's like a father figure to, he raises her in this laboratory right. uh basically experimenting on her developing her powers to use them for cia purposes and in season one he's using l to spy on the russians <laughs> with her tele with her tele telepathy uh, telekinesis and, Yes, and she unlocks the demigorgon. She accidentally, or just discovers the demigorgon when she's in her uh, psychic state, in her other world that she goes into when she's using her powers. Right. She comes across the demigorgon, and uh, somehow the connection between between them opens up a portal into another dimension called the Upside Down. Mm-hmm. And we get all these events happening. We get. Uh, 
uh, we get these um, these these like uh, demons, demigorgons, uh, who was the villain of, of season one, um, and uh, L uh, escapes the facility and uh, ends up fighting the demigorgon and. Uh, we think closing the doorway to the upside down with her superpowers. Mm-hmm. That's basically season one, and season one ends with uh, L defeating. You kind of skipped over Will. I skipped over a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> there, there's there, there's Will who is who is the normal human boy who is who uh, is kidnapped and taken into the yeah, upside down, yeah. and the entire plot of uh, the entire thing of season one is trying to rescue Will from the upside down. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I skipped over all the characters, right? I yeah. mean, there's Hopper, there's Hopper yeah, who, no, moved, I, I who moves like back to Hawkins. That was a Hopper huge moves back. plot. Yeah. That's why. I right, said, you're right. That's what, yeah, uh, and we know Hopper. We know Hopper has just moved back to Hawkins from the big city where his daughter died and he lost his wife, so he's heartbroken and broken down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Winona Ryder Joyce um, is uh, the mom of uh, the kid who gets kidnapped. Oh, Will yeah. and. and <laughs> And uh, um, doesn't Will have a brother? Yeah, Will's yep, brother. Will does have a brother. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Jonathan. Jonathan. This okay. is where this is where we need you, Sarah, because I'm gonna lose. <laughs> I'm gonna lose the names of all of the teenage characters. They're all a blur to me in my head. Um, but Steve is actually my favorite character. Uh, yeah, so I'm, not, I'm never gonna forget. I'm never gonna forget Steve's name. Uh, you know, uh, that's the other thing about it, Steve. There's the whole Steve and Nancy plot in the first season, right? Yeah. Steve is the popular dickhead at school. Nancy's this nice girl, but she's pretty, and Steve likes her, and they uh, they date. Um, and then uh, what's his name? Will's brother. I forgot his name already. Jonathan. Again, Jonathan. Jonathan. You know, is is like the awkward, nerdy photographer guy who has the crush on Nancy, mm-hmm. and you know, is he a creep because he's taking pictures of her? You know, the, all that, all that stuff in season one. It was fun, um, but uh, I think the main thrust is L versus the Demigorgon. Yeah. It ends with L destroying the Demigorgon, unleashing her powers, and then L appears to disappear. L appears to be destroyed in the end of season one, as well. And that's important for later. Yeah. Um, because we soon find out, I don't know if it's season two that, that when it happened, I don't, I don't remember when it happens. Uh, when, when we get to the part where we find out Elle is actually alive, she's back in the woods where they originally found her after she escaped from the facility in the first place. And Hopper is leaving egos for her yeah. in the woods. Um, like you know, cause, cause how... somehow, somehow Hopper has sensed, that L survived the events of the first season yeah. and that she's out in the woods somewhere. And, um, you know, eventually, sorry, can I just interrupt for a second? I feel like that's how season one ended. And if I remember right, correctly, I so. season two started with, uh, L living together. with yes. Hopper. Yes. So that's right. That's right. So in season one, I actually, a year goes by after the Demigorgon is defeated, mm-hmm. ha- like an L is missing for a year. Before uh, Hopper finds her in the woods and takes her to live with him in his father's cabin in the woods. Yeah. Uh, the point of that is to protect her so that nobody knows where she is because he knows her powers are so crazy that the government wants her to experiment on her and shit. Yep. And um, he doesn't know if she might still be in danger. He's got these protection issues because he lost his daughter. She reminds him of his daughter who he lost. So the relationship between Hopper and Eleven uh, you know, living in the cabin in the woods uh, is formed in season one, and that's where season two picks up. Right. And they're having they're having struggles. They're having typical like parent like da- daddy daughter struggles.
struggles, right? She's she's an emotional kid. She doesn't like being locked up and kept from her friends. Uh, Hopper just wants to keep her safe and has like like, like thousands of rules. She can't do anything basically. Um, so that that's how the initial conflict in season two starts. Right. Um, uh, you know. Um, Season two introduces Bob. So, uh, you know, right away we're put up with this. Oh, Joyce and Hopper aren't getting together because Bob is the boyfriend now. I love Um, Bob. Yeah, we love Bob. He was a lot of fun. And it was great to have Sean Astin in this show because this show. Goonies. So many Goonies (laughs) references, right? Like it's. It's based on Goonies in so many ways, uh, but, you know, also other similar things like uh, Stand By Me. E.T. E.T. for sure. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking of like from the nineties, there was super eight, but, um, yeah. Uh, so the, the events, the events of season two are basically, well, um, the door to the upside down was never fully closed. You know, there's all these, there's all these, uh, tunnels going under this pumpkin field back to the original facility where it was opened up. And um, so the threat is not is not defeated yet. And now the mind flayer is introduced, and the mind flayer is the big bad of uh, of Stranger Things, right? The mind flayer is the ultimate power, creating all this darkness. Uh, you know, the mind flayer lives in the upside down. Maybe created it. We don't know what the upside down is, where it came from yet. I have theories about that. We're going to talk about later, mm. but. Um, so the mind flare, this giant spider-like creature, this like mystical, like shadowy creature that kind of exists in the upside down, um, and tortures, uh, the main kid, uh, Will, um, like Will has a psychic connection to him from being captured in season one. And that maintains Will kind of stays our canary in the coal mine. His basic role in the show is. He he knows whenever the mind flare is coming around. He can feel it. He can sense it. He has like a spider sense, yeah. like a Peter Tingle. Yep, a Peter Tingle. <laughs> well, can we call it the Will Tingle? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the Peter Tingle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so also in season two, we get more of Elle's backstory. She meets her uh, quote unquote sister, who is number eight, who was another little girl who was kept in the same facility where Elle was raised, another little girl with superpowers um, created by Dr. Brennan, uh, who also escaped. Um, now, number eight, Still I think, is important. Worst episode ever, by the way. Okay, fair enough. But I, I number eight, <laughs> I think, is important. Ever. I think this is all important because uh, number eight tells us a few things. First of all, that 11 was obviously the 11th iteration of the experiment that yeah. Dr. Brennan was, was preparing, right? Yeah. The experiment that we know started back in the 50s or 60s uh, with Project M with MK Ultra, and um, uh, apparently culminated with L. If there was any experiments after L, we don't know, but um, – you know, this is the 80s now, and she's number 11, and she's also the youngest, right? The important thing here, what I think is important here is that 8 is older than her. So it seems like as you go up in numbers, you're getting to younger kids, right? So it's like, I think if you go back all the way to number 1, whoever the first experiment was, I think you're talking about a person who's so old because they were back in the 50s and 60s, right? Right. Um so I think that's important for my theories later. So just keeping in in mind, if we ever meet new numbers, that that's going to be the rule. Like the lower their number is, the older their age is going to be in the timeline. Which makes well, sense, yeah. 
Okay. Um, I just wanted to get that in there. So yeah, number eight, um, you know, she has like this posse of street uh, rebels that she lives with. Thugs, She's, I don't know. thugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they're are. kind of a gang. They're kind of a gang. Punks, 80s yeah, punks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and Tough she's like, right there. she's like, um, kind of the example of how you can go wrong uh, with this upbringing, right? Because she's kind of a badass. She wants to kill. She wants to, you know, use violence to achieve her her goals. Whereas L is obviously, you know, she she's good. She's a good person. She's got a strong moral center. Um, but uh, obviously, we can see that some of these kids uh, who were brought up this way might go a different way and and eight kind of shows us that even though she's not a bad guy she's kind of like a darker scarier version of what l could have become mm-hmm. uh, people didn't really seem to like her we didn't really hear about her at all in season three but i think we're gonna get more of uh if not eight then some of the other iterations in season four personally i'm so convinced that that was uh, a setup for a spinoff I don't know. I yeah, you think that's, so? that's I don't, I, that was I, I my theory on that one. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. It uh, felt I very. Think I think they have future plans for it in this show. But, yeah, but. I don't know. It felt very shoehorned in. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's it was it was a horrible. It was episode. kind of it was kind of awkward. It 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 because yeah. it, 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 they left Hawkins, they went out of our familiar environment, yeah. and they went into an environment that was kind of nothing. And it was kind of like, what's going on here? And it was um, only one episode. <laughs> That was the part that didn't make any sense, but yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, uh, season two, um, how can we summarize, finish summarizing season two? Um, L basically, L basically power, L basically powers up in season two, right? She, she hangs, she hangs out with this gang. She gets tough. Uh, she gets a tough look. She gets like dark eyeliner. Um, (laughs) and and she comes back to fight the demi dogs and uh, the mind flare and close the portal to the upside down again. Um, and it's a great final moment with L. She kind of goes dark Phoenix on her, on us, right? Like we see she's so powerful in that final fight um, that it's a big revelation to us. Uh, and then going forward in season three, I kind of felt like hmm, we have a narrative problem here. Maybe L is too powerful for anything to be scary anymore. But of course they take care of that perfectly mm-hmm. uh in season three um so uh, i don't remember if there's anything else from season two we should cover bob dies obviously yeah. uh, no! and and that was that oh. was that was sad but um i was happy about it because um i see it as what it is bob was bob was there to put a placeholder between hopper and yeah Joyce. brenda, brenda and, still has and, to come back Brenda's dead. <laughs> <laughs> no love for Brenda. Oh, Season one, Brenda, Nancy's best friend. <laughs> Barb. Who did- Barb. Barb. Sorry, Barb. 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 You're right. You're right. Wait, who's Brenda? Who's sorry, Brenda no. Too? Is there a Brenda? No, I was thinking Barb. Sorry, I messed the name up. Is it Brenda too? But yeah. Anyway, no, Barb. Barb uh, never comes back. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about Barb. You're right. Yeah. Barb. Uh, I'm dead. Um, Barb got a funeral in season two. That was important. <laughs> Poor Barb. <laughs> because season one left her, left her like, what? Barb's just uh, whatever. Anyway, yeah. um, season three. Let's so talk about season, season three. Season three. Season three. Uh, we begin with uh, some time has passed. It yeah. seems like the kids are older. Um, I don't know if it tells us exactly how much time has passed. I, I might have missed that detail, but um, it seems like more than a summer. Like, mm-hmm. um. I feel like it was a summer. I think it was probably like a year, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but the kids seem older. They seem like they're teenagers now. They don't seem like they're children anymore, yeah. right? Yeah. And and that and that uh, comes out um, especially in the relationship between Mike and L, who are boyfriend and girlfriend, and just making out constantly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> In the in the beginning of this, and it's in and the the way the characters are in the beginning of this, we got Winona Ryder still mourning the death of Bob, mm-hmm. um, kind of sad and lonely. We have Mike and L like deeply, deeply in love. Mm-hmm. Um, we have um, Dustin just came yeah, back prep, from prep, prep, uh, camp. Dustin, yes, thank you. Dustin is just coming back from summer camp. He's telling everybody that he has a girlfriend who lives far away. Who he <laughs> he, he built a super powerful ham radio uh, so that he can talk to her because she lives on the other side of the country. Um, his ham his super powerful ham radio, which comes which is very important later in this in the set. It's and actually what's, and what's it called? My favorite set piece of this of this series is the top of that hill with Cerebro. Cerebro, Cerebro. is the name of of the of the radio that Dustin <laughs> yeah. builds. But um, he takes it to the highest point in Hawkins so that he can try to talk to his girlfriend. And it's just this radio tower that he built at, at Science Camp. At Science Camp, um, yeah. and, um, But it's a really beautiful set piece at the top of this hill with this, with this big radio antenna on, on top of it. It's got a view of Hawkins all around it. At night, it's a starry sky. And it feels so E.T. It feels so Steven Spielberg. It feels mm-hmm. so beautifully 80s. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a, just a wonderful set piece later on in, in the series. Um, so and so nobody believes Dustin that his girlfriend is a real thing. He's trying to reach her on the radio. He can't reach her. Uh, so everybody thinks that Dustin made up his girlfriend. It's really funny. Um, Mike is Mike is now working at Scoops Ahoy in the mall. There's a new mall, Starcourt Mall in Hawkins. Uh, it's it's a very cool '80s mall. Um, fast times are yeah. high. I forgot to mention that reference too because that's so fast times. I'm sorry, which? The whole mall setting is very Fast Times of Richmond High. Right, right. It's very. And it's also is, very Dawn of the Dead. Um, yeah, towards the end. It's, yeah. It's, it's set in a mall that almost looks exactly the same as this mall, honestly, yeah. in my opinion. But, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Where was I? I'm sorry, I lost my place. Uh, Steve's <laughs> working at Chip's, uh, sorry. Um, uh, Scoops Ahoy. Scoops Ahoy. Scoops and he's Ahoy. Got a, I was going to say Ships Ahoy. And, yeah, uh, it's this ice cream shop in the mall, and he's got a new character, Robin, mm-hmm. uh, Maya, Maya Hawk, who is the daughter of Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawk. Oh, really? Um, I, didn't know th- I didn't know that. Yeah. And she's a fun new character. She's a girl who works with Steve at Scoops, but she obviously knew him from high school as well yep. and hated him. Um, so they work at this ice cream shop. They have to wear these goofy sailor costumes, and Steve has to work with this girl who is constantly just picking on him, just making fun of him. Uh, calling him a loser. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve has fallen so far from season one, right? Where he was the the coolest guy in school, uh, the most popular dude. Um, then in season one, he basically just loses and loses and loses, <laughs> loses Nancy, uh, gets beat up, um, and then in season two, kind of the same thing. He's stuck with the kids. He's stuck with Dustin the whole time. Mm-hmm. Gets beat up again. Uh, Steve is my favorite character in this show. I especially think after season three, because to me, he's the young version of Hopper. Mm. Oh, true. He's the character who he's kind of a dick. Like he's kind of (laughs) a a hard edge and kind of just like salty. 
and you don't know if you're going to like him at first, but when shit goes down, he steps up every time. He does the mm-hmm. right thing every time. He sacrifices his own face every time, and he doesn't save the day in some big heroic fashion, but he saves his friends uh, in his own way every time. And, um, and season three, Steve was great and funny uh, with, with Robin, teamed up with Robin, and also teamed up with another great character who was in season one and two, but is focused on now. Uh, Priya Ferguson is the actress, uh, Erica Sinclair. Uh, she's Lucas's little sister. Yes, she's right. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and for the first three three episodes, we only see her coming into Scoops Ahoy demanding free samples, yeah. right? And this is if you've worked in a mall, this like these scenes are so legit and so real, right? Yeah. Like just the boredom and just the like the kids coming into your store just to see what they can do to to, to fuck with you, just to get free stuff from you, like because they have nothing better to do and they're just hanging around the mall because they're yeah. bored kids don't like, i feel that <laughs> these scenes these scenes were so great and so legit um absolutely loved it mm-hmm. so uh the plot goes uh dustin is up on the hill trying to uh contact his girlfriend he intercepts a russian transmission on his ham radio what's going on here and we've already seen in the prologue that the russians are trying to open a gate to the upside down right yeah. this is the setup for the whole season the first the first scenes were we're in another facility where we're seeing another gate to the upside down trying to be opened and it's the russians doing it this mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. so we don't know where and when that's happening but we know that's happening before all this starts yeah. now we get this scene with dustin intercepting a russian transmission on his ham radio and Immediately, because it's the 80s um, and Russians were the villains of life in the 80s, and if you're old enough to remember that, that is absolutely the way it was. Like, if anything was going wrong, if you were looking for a straw man to accuse of something, it was the Russians, right? So, Dustin immediately jumps to the conclusion that there's some evil going on here with this secret Russian transmission. He assumes that it's secret, right? Mm -hmm. He assumes they're up to no good, and um, that he records it and decides that he has to get it translated to figure out what these russians are doing meanwhile all of his friends are ignoring him because they're not interested in his imaginary girlfriend basically Mm -hmm. um dustin is separated from the group again which i feel like happens a lot that happened in season two for quite Mm -hmm. a bit Mm -hmm. dustin kind of becomes his own independent even though he's a part of the main group of kids he's kind of his own hero Mm -hmm. yeah uh, in the story repeatedly um because he gets teamed up with steve again Mm go dustin and steve have really become best friends, even though it doesn't make sense because Steve is like much older and like, it's like the teenagers and the kids uh, groups like coming together. But that's kind of the, another great part of the element of Steve's story. This is another humiliation for Steve. His best friend basically becomes this little kid. Yeah. Um, it, he went from being the most popular guy in high school to having to hang out with this nerdy D and D playing <laughs> little kid. And, and that's another great thing that I love about Steve. It gives you sympathy for Steve that he's like, Everything that was important to him in season one is gone, right? But he's still a good person somehow. Um, so uh, it, it turns out, of course, that uh, uh, what's her name? I'm sorry, I can't. These names of these so many names. Sorry. Which uh, one are you to the girl that works with Steve. Uh, Robin. Robin. Sorry, 
Abed, thank you. It turns out that she can speak Russian. And this, of course, is, again, another thing that I like because we've already found out that she's a, she's a music nerd, right? So it's common for music nerds to study another language or a third language in high school again. So, she's, so she knows some Russian, so she can help translate. So we get the three of them now going to work on translating this secret Russian message. They do, and they figure out that the Russians have some secret, like... Um, some secret stuff going on in Starcourt Mall. They just they they discovered the Russians are are delivering boxes of stuff to the back door of Starcourt Mall, and they have machine guns back there, and there's all this secret military looking stuff going on. Yeah. Um. So they so they want to break into the Russians part of the mall, find out what's in their boxes, uh, try to try to you know. Um, decode this the secret Russians plan on their own. Um, why didn't they just call the FBI at this point? Um, good question. But this is a, this is a this is an '80s movie trope, right? Like uh, groups of children taking on the Russians was a thing that happened in '80s movies, right? Yeah. Like Red, like Red Dawn, uh, yeah. like uh, War Games. Uh, like there was like like a lot of movies where like like the you know the the backdrop would be. Like p- war or possible war between the U.S. and Russia, Rocky Four, and the, and the here, yeah, no, no, that's a <laughs> different trope. Right. But uh, the, but the whole but the whole a little a special little American child yeah. can take on the entire evil Russian empire, right? Like that's a like a like a classic '80s trope, and it's and it's here going on in Stranger Things, and so I don't get pulled out of the show and go, why don't they just call the FBI? I go, no, this is perfect. Like these kids are trying to stop these Russians. I love it. Um, so the whole plot device is they need to get through this vent. They can't, they need somebody small enough to crawl through the vent. So they recruit Lucas's little sister and Lucas's little sister is hilarious. Her, her lines about child endangerment, her just sticking it to sticking it to Steve and what's her name the entire time. Um, and the Rob about getting his... free ice cream for life and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, the free ice cream for life. Yeah. So great. Like, so, exact, <laughs> so exactly the way things should have gone down. Yeah. And then we get into, like, when we get to episode four and the action really kicks in. By the way, I, I was saying earlier that, like, episode one to three were kind of slow. That's how I felt about it anyway. Once you get to episode four and this turns into the action movie that it really is, um... It never stops, right? Like episode four to eight are so crazy and intense, nonstop. And it's just like once you get to that 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 crossing over point, it's basically act one ends at the end of episode three, right. and act two starts in episode four. And once act two starts, holy shit, hold on, because this is the greatest season to me. Uh, it's 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 faster moving. It's we don't spend uh, so much time like figuring stuff out, right? Like in season one and season two, I felt like there was a lot of time. We just the kids just going through like like what could this be? Oh, this is something that reminds me of something from D and D. So that's what that must be. And just figuring stuff out and puzzling stuff out. We don't spend nearly as much time this season doing that, right? Because we're all familiar with this now, because we've got two seasons of backstory behind us now. So it's like, okay, the Mind Flayer is back. We know that. We got what we got it, you know? Um, and and it, we immediately start going after him, just chasing him down. We, the action picks up quickly, and it's great. And um, a character who we haven't mentioned yet, um, who I love, love, love from this season, is Billy. 
Yeah, I was gonna say, what about the dude with the mullet? Because he was a huge plot de- plot yeah, device yeah. in this uh, in this series. Right. So Billy and his little sister, uh, the skater skater girl Max, Max. who is also very, also very important in this season. These are two these are two characters that were introduced in season two, yeah. and this is a, another place where I think, yeah, these writers have a multi year plan mm-hmm. because in season two. The same way I was like, oh, what are you doing with this Bob character? I was like, what are you doing with this Max and Billy characters, right? Because they played a narrative purpose a little bit. Like, they created some tension between the existing characters just by interjecting into the situation. But did they really play a giant role in the story of season two? I don't think so. I think, and, and at the end of season two, I thought that was a criticism. And and season three, I see now the long-term plan in play season two was just getting us familiar with these characters of max and billy for the important roles that they're playing in season three Mm -hmm. and um both of them very important because we get uh one thing that i thought should have happened in season two that didn't that i think maybe the fans all probably maybe agreed on was that um max and 11 should have been friends right like those two characters should have been drawn to each other well, and they should and they should have bonded, and they never really got a chance. Wasn't Elle jealous of Max because she was like exactly, a new girl, yes. if I remember correctly? Right, right. right. That, so. that was that. That was the whole way that she created tension was that when Elle was emerging from hiding, like Mike, like Mike didn't know where Elle was. She was still vanished to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, she emerges from hiding. She finds Mike and max together yes. when she goes to reveal herself to mike the first time yeah. and she doesn't she doesn't understand what's going on yeah. but she immediately gets jealous and she actually gets a little evil and uses her telekinesis on max makes her trip right mm-hmm. right, right right so that so so that they set up this this dramatic tension in season two with her when really we all felt like come on like max and l should be friends right mm-hmm. and in season two we get that right away uh there's the whole plot with mike and l like making out all the time and not you know ig- ignoring the rest of their lives hopper can't stand it it's driving him crazy yeah. he needs to intervene and like get them to slow down at least right um and uh he does and then mike and l end up breaking up in the you know the confusion that ensues uh, around these events and and the result of that is that Max befriends L, and they become best girlfriends. And L has her first best girlfriend in her yeah, life. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Then we get some great bonding moments with L and Max. Right. We get we get L. You know the teenage girl stuff. Right. Like boys are boys are from <laughs> from Venus. The, from Mars. Girls are yeah. from Venus. Whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we finally get some of that. Right. We get <clears throat> this is young adolescent uh, love story kind of stuff. Right. Like. Uh, uh, don't let him treat you that way. Uh, you know, you got to stand up to him. You got to dump him. You know, girls have power too. Look, here's a Wonder Woman comic. I bet you, I bet you the boys never showed you that before. Mm-hmm. Lots of cool, cool, fun stuff between um, Max and Eleven. Am I missing anything here? Um, just the subplot of, um, of uh, what's his name again? Uh, Will's brother, Jonathan. And um, what's her face working right. at the newspaper? Jonathan, Jonathan and Nancy have their own Nancy. kind of yeah, their yeah. own plot. They're it's... they're working at the Hawkins newspaper. Yeah. And um, when strange things start to happen this time, um, strange events start to occur, and Nancy, of course, starts to get wind of them right away. She wants to cover them for the newspaper, yeah. and the newspaper is run by a bunch of chauvinistic old uh, male pigs. Jake Busey. Who, Jake Busey is is is, is a great is a great journalistic yep. male pig in this group. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And so there's a whole trope of um, Nancy's kind of giving us the feminist angle here, um, uh, you know, and the, in the 80s, of course, these things were, um, were were worse and more blatant like this. And this was all pretty realistic, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Nancy is basically the coffee girl at the newspaper. She wants to be a reporter. All the men are keeping her down, yeah. basically. Um, and, and, and it's classic horror movie trope in that she's aware that there's a threat coming and everybody else is ignoring it. So they're all in danger and she's the only one who knows. Um, yeah. Uh, and so, and then Billy, of course, uh, season two, Billy appears like he's going to be some threatening, like he's a bad guy, right? He's a dick, right? Like Billy and Max, they obviously had troubled childhoods. Uh, they're new in town. They don't have a lot of friends. They're both kind of troubled characters, but Billy is like the dangerous version, uh, you know, because Max is a little girl. She's not dangerous. She's just kind of got an attitude. But Billy is older, stronger, you know, and kind of um, kind of more of a chip on, on his shoulder. And we don't know. We, like, he's introduced as this really dark kind of guy in season two, and he never goes fully 100% scary, even though he, like, picks on Steve and stuff. Um, he, you know, he hits on... Uh, that mom character uh, in Mike's mom. Yeah. Well, pardon? Mike's mom. Hey, yeah, it's, it's Nancy and Mike's mom. Yeah. Uh, damn, I'm blanking on her name now, too. I think they, I think they just called her Mrs. Wheeler. Uh, Karen Wheeler. Oh, Karen, okay. Karen Buono. Um, so, uh, yeah, but Billy is a great character, though. Like, he, this guy reminds me of guys from the 80s, like Hashers, Skids. Um, you know, the, the long hair, the wispy blonde mustache and beard because he can't grow it. Um, the, you know, the, the open shirt, the constant smoking, the driving, the Camaro, the, just the, the shitty attitude towards everybody. Like this was a, like this, this character is so real to me. Like I knew so many dudes like this in the eighties. Um, the only, the only, the, the only inaccuracy to this character to me was that he didn't have a gang of like 10 guys just like him that he hung out with. He was a loner. Um, but, uh, you know, Hawkins, I guess, small town. So, um, but Billy immediately in season three is like, um, one of the main characters because he is the one who is taken, uh, in the beginning of this of of this season, uh, he's taken by the new threat who we we don't we don't know a lot about yet. Mm-hmm. But um, basically, he's lured into a an old factory in the middle of the night, and we don't see what happens to him. We just hear him screaming. But um, then you know, going forward, uh, he's kind of possessed and um, doing evil stuff that we're trying to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. His mind had played. Yes, the mind flare takes Billy, and Billy becomes. The, the right hand of the Mind Flayer, basically the main operative of the Mind Flayer, as the Mind Flayer is trying to gather strength and return to the world. So that whole storyline kind of reminded me of um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, there's definitely Invasion of the Body Snatchers trope going on here yeah. because the Mind Flayer's plan is for Billy to just go around and take people. Basically, yeah. he, the, the Mind Flayer just... people, yeah. Yeah, he kidnaps people. The Mind Flayer attaches his his uh, tentacle hose to their face and then he possesses them. And then the town is one by one becoming minions of the mind flare. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they're building up to something. And at the same time, simultaneously, we know the Russians are trying to open up 
a new portal to the Upside Down. We learn that the Russians have a secret base underneath Starcourt Mall, <laughs> and that the Russians are actually behind the whole the entire development of Starcourt Mall in the first place. Mm-hmm. And their planet that they have a, a deal with the evil mayor, played by Carrie Elways, mm-hmm. another great '80s actor brought brought into this series um, to give it such a great authentic feel. Uh, Carrie Elway's a really, really great uh, corrupt mayor who is working with the Russians. Yeah. Uh, you know, he he worked with them to bring Starcourt Mall to Hawkins, and to him that was a great success. But uh, but he's unaware of the evil that they're doing, and he doesn't care. He only cares about his own ends, and he comes uh, foul of Hopper um, quite early in this, and uh, he's kind of a villain in this too. Mm-hmm. The mayor character is great. Yeah, and. Uh, um, is this where we introduce the Terminator? <laughs> uh, the, the Terminator's in there. Uh, the term. When, when is he introduced? Uh, good I question. Like it's, I, a, it's around around where you're where you're talking about, like um, episode three, four. I don't remember exactly which one, but that's when. Uh, remember when they go back to the school to find out, like, if there's anything going on at the school, and then the Terminator shows up and kicks Harper's ass. Yeah, yeah, at right. the. It's the lab, not the school. It's the lab. Was it the um, lab? Well, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. Was, so, the, so the plot goes, the plot goes, Joyce gets wind that there's something going on again because her magnets are falling off of her fridge. Yes. Uh, she talks oh, to the science teacher. She talks that. to the science teacher at school and the science teacher at school tells her, well, one thing that could happen, what, that could cause magnets to stop working like that is for there to be a giant magnetic field in the area, mm-hmm. but that would require a giant machine and a giant power source for that to happen. And so Joyce automatically gets get, is like triggered, like oh my god, something's going on here. She goes to Hopper and like Hopper, my magnets are falling off the fridge. We have to go to the lab and see if something's going on there. And, Hop- <laughs> and Hopper's like, "Come on, are you serious? You got to be kidding me." Meanwhile, he's just trying to get hit. He's just trying to get Joyce to date him, yeah. right? Like the first three episodes of this of, of this, he's dealing with his problems with Elle and Mikey and their relationship and his inability to communicate his emotions, and he's also dealing with his inability to date Joyce. Basically, yeah. is his other main goal in this in this series in this season. Um, so uh, Joyce goes to Hopper and she's like, you know, there's uh, stuff going on again. And he's like, come on. And he's like, you're just trying to distract from the fact that you don't want to date me or that you blew me off when I, when I asked you out or whatever. And, but, but whatever, she convinces him to go to the the lab and they go into the lab and immediately (laughs) almost they find russians in the lab right and one of the russians is the main guy the main kind of bad russian um antagonist in this in this uh series season is this guy who is exactly like the terminator from the original terminator movie he's this arnold schwarzenegger lookalike and the character sounds moves acts behaves exactly like the terminator um which is fun. I, I I kept laughing at it. I kept every time there was a scene with this character, I turned to Melinda and I said, "Like this guy's just doing his Terminator impression, and it's obviously intentional, and I'm just enjoying it. Like yeah. it was fun. Yeah. Because um, he was a scary dude, right? Like every time he got in a fight with Hopper, you were worried about Hopper because this dude was big and strong. Even though Hopper's a big, strong dude, this guy is bigger and stronger and scarier. Yeah. Uh, and you need that in order to feel like Hopper's in danger in a fight. So he was a great, uh, I thought, uh, element in the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Um, sorry. Um, 
I'm drawing a blank on the uh, the other Russian's name. The one that you're talking about, Alexei. There you go. Uh, That's oh my god, Alexei. Yeah. So so yeah, they find another facility because they they find like there's a whole bunch of sites that the Russians have yeah. properties they've bought around Hawkins I, where I, they're doing experiments. I feel right? like that was Terminator's house. That's, uh, that's right. That's what right. I thought. And and that's where they find Alexei. Yeah. And Alexei is a scientist, basically working for the Russians, trying to solve the problem of how to open the door to the upside down. Yeah. But he's uh, like here, he's here in America as a part of this secret Russian project going on to open up this portal. Hopper and Joyce uh, come across him when there's when they're investigating these uh, Russian uh, properties. And they kidnap him. They're like, okay, this guy knows stuff. We're taking him back to interrogate him. Yeah. He didn't speak. He didn't speak any English, so they had to find a translator. Yeah. So they they book it with Alexi, and uh, the Terminator dude is is chasing them down, basically. Mm. Uh, Alexi is a super funny character, right? He's this Russian scientist uh, who, like I said, doesn't speak English, so he's mute. He kind of he kind of reacts with facial acting for most of it. But he's super funny, super lovable, super sweet guy. Like uh, they get him, they get him back to their safe house, and I forget the name of the character with the safe house, the conspiracy yeah, theory the, dude, the conspiracy guy. Super, yeah, I'm the drawing super a blank funny on guy. Yeah, he was in season he's two as well, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, super funny character, yeah. really important character, and I'm blanking on his name. Yeah, and I totally can't remember. It either. Anyway, they're at his house, <laughs> and he speaks Russian. Yeah. So. Um, He's translating Alexi. Alexi is watching Looney Tunes because they don't have that in Russia. This is another thing. These are old like '80s jokes that I forgot about. I'm like, I'm like, oh, that's kind of silly that he's like so excited about watching Looney Tunes. Like, mm-hmm. but then, I, but then I remembered. Oh yeah, Russia in the '80s. There was no internet and there was no access to Western culture for them. Yeah. And they really did get excited about just stupid little silly American cultural things. Like there was a black market in the Soviet Union just to buy like blue jeans because they couldn't buy blue jeans in Russia. Like a, like simple, <laughs> simple American cultural things yeah. were like such a huge luxury in the Soviet Union. So this was so realistic. This character, Alexei, he was so happy to be in the States watching American TV, like eating 7-Eleven, drinking cherry Slurpees. Yeah. Um, and he just wanted to defect to the States. So he's he's willing to make a deal with Hopper to give him information because he wants to defect to the u.s even though like he's, he's in relationship with hawker hopper is a little bit antagonistic they don't get along um alexi is really on our side um uh even though he's difficult and uh a lovable character yeah. uh who uh, uh meets a terrible end uh a, a tragic a tragic moment and when things start to get uh real serious um uh, Alexei gets murdered by the Russians uh, at the fair. By the uh, Terminator, it, come on, give it props for props. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Terminator, Terminator took him out. Yeah, that's right. In Terminator uh, style, except he wasn't. And, and it was su- such a sweet moment. He yeah. just won the he just won the big prize at the fair, yeah. and he was so happy um, uh, to be in America. And um, he gets taken out, and it's such a heartbreaking, crushing moment in the show. Uh, uh, definitely the saddest moment of the of the season for me. What's the death of Alexi? How did you feel? I was a great moment. <laughs> like, um, no, it was uh, obviously it was sad because we wanted to see that guy live, uh, much like how we wanted Barb to come back. But um, <laughs> I had to throw that in. Eh? Um, but yeah, no, it was a good. It was a good moment. I love that character. 
Um, I loved the I loved all this the different subplots which that we're we're really talking about as well. But anyways, uh, continue on, my friend. Um, was it Murray Bauman? Is that the character? Murray. Yeah. Yeah. yeah his Brett, name is Murray. Brett, yeah. Brett Gelman, the great, hilarious Brett Gelman. Yeah. Uh, really, plays plays Murray. He was and in season two or or one. I forget. He was in season two. Yeah, um, season two, he, right. he helped. He helped Nancy and Jonathan get together in season two, right. and here in season three, he does the same thing for Hopper and Joyce. He That's right. he gives he gives them a big talking to, uh, and basically makes them realize that they have feelings for each other, yeah. which is another great funny moment. So many great great moments. The writing in this season so great. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we got a lot to get through still, and not a lot of time left. So I need to. <laughs> I need to move things along if I can. Yeah. I so. Uh, so the important thing is let's hit them. Um, the uh, the plan of the mind flayer, uh, uh, like I like we said, was to get all these people and and possess them. Um, as the end game approaches, we see all of these people starting to join together and they form one giant monster. Yeah. Uh, so there's this giant thing. Uh, running around Hawkins now. It reminds me of the monster from Cloverfield Lane. Yes. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. um, yeah. Not quite as large, but um, mm. similar in features. There's a great fight scene in Hawkins Mall where all the kids are fighting this mo- this monster. Uh, Eleven gets injured, so she's taken out of the battle. This is how we solve the problem of Eleven being too overpowered in this season, is that the Mind Flayer is aware of her, and after her, Eleven is his target this season. And he attacks her, and she ends up getting injured and actually losing her power uh, near the end of this. So she can't save the day like she does in the previous two seasons. So narratively, we're in big danger here. It looks like the Mind Flayer can't be stopped. Um, but everybody teams up together. And there's a great scene in the mall where Lucas, who is the warrior of the kids, by the way. Like, Lucas is the character who's he, – he's the, the young Carl Weathers of this group. Uh, Kevin will get that reference and Sarah won't, but uh, (laughs) Lucas is, uh, comes up with the plan to use uh, use fireworks fireworks, um, uh, to, to fight uh, the, the, the monster with. So they, 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 they hoard all these fireworks and there's this great battle where they're all shooting fireworks at this giant monster Mm -hmm. in the food court of this mall. Uh, The special effects are so great. Like the visuals are so great and expensive. This is like a great movie. It's like an eight hour movie. Right. This season. Um, And um, you know, it's, it's, it's everybody together uh, who has to fight the monster while Joyce and Hopper and Murray are on a mission to the underground base to close the new portal to the upside down that the Russians have succeeded in opening down there. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So while we get the the fight going on up at the mall, we get the, the the those three characters down underground battling the Russians, trying to uh, blow up the machine. It's a it's a it's a great eighties nuclear war kind of trope where in order to destroy the machine, you have to turn two keys at the same time. Yeah. So it has to be two people working in unison. So. Um, Basically, we get down to the final moments of this where uh, they get the two keys inserted, but they're still fighting the Russians. And Hopper has to fight a Russian and Joyce gets left alone with the two keys. And Joyce has to try to figure out how to turn the two keys by herself while Hopper is fighting off the Russians, basically giving her the chance to do that. Right. Um, So we get to this very important moment where um, 
Joyce is able to turn the two keys, but Hopper is in the way. Basically, Joyce can't destroy the machine without endangering Hopper at the same time. So Hopper actually sacrifices himself in this moment. He realizes what's happening. He looks up at Joyce. She's ready to turn the keys. He knows that if she turns them, he's probably going to get va- vaporized. He kills um, the Terminator. Just gotta throw that in there. He kills the Terminator. <laughs> yes, he wins the fight by... Uh, spoiler alert! I, we should have said spoiler alert at the beginning of this. We, uh, I, that was a it's terrible mistake. Spoilerific, anyways, um, yes. Anyway, um, he kills the Terminator. Joyce turns the two keys by herself, yeah. and then Hopper vanishes, and everyone, everyone assumes he's dead. And the 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 series the season ends with. Uh, Joyce, who we already knew, who was planning to move away from Hawkins from the beginning of the season, uh, moving her family away from Hawkins, yeah. taking L with her, so splitting up the entire group, and everybody thinking that Hopper is dead, so everybody's like really sad and really mourning, and it's got a really sad ending to the season. We assume that Hopper has sacrificed himself to save everyone right after he, you know, he and Joyce kind of admitted their feelings for each other and made plans to go on a real date after all of this. Yeah. So we thought they were finally going to get together. Can um, I uh, interrupt for a yeah. second there? Go Forgot, ahead, go ahead. Uh, I know you're trying to rush through this, but we, you missed a very, very amazing part. And that is go Dustin ahead. finally talking to Susie uh, over yeah. the, uh, the radio. And, amazing uh, scene. Yes. Amazing scene. And, um, and Wyona Ryder and, and Hopper, uh, need a code, and it's and he figures out that it's um, Planck's number. Yeah, they need the, they need Planck's, need Planck's number, number is the, is go. the secret code to enter into so the he, machine in order to get access. So she finally contacts him, and she asks him. He asks her for the number, but she's like, first you gotta sing the song, and they <laughs> go into Never Ending Story, which was fucking amazing. <laughs> There is a fantastic yeah. musical montage yeah. where Dustin and his girlfriend, girlfriend are are doing a duet of the theme story. song from the Never Ending Story, and it's taking place over a montage of all of the action of the of the uh, the, the the final battles of this movie are happening at the same time as we get this music this fantastic musical montage yeah. of the theme song from the Never Ending Story, which like is such an eighties like it's like. It's almost overkill. It's like, like it's like it's eighties nostalgia orgasm time at this point, right? There we go. <laughs> Honestly, I like their version better. <laughs> this is the yeah. original yeah. version, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was it was a spur of the moment cue. <laughs> and but yeah, go ahead. Great, great, great writing again, right? Yeah. Like in the beginning of the season, I thought it's obvious Dustin's girlfriend is set up to be real. Yeah. Right? It's <laughs> obvious it's obvious that Susie is gonna show up. Yeah. Okay, let me just be clear on this. I haven't heard from you <laughs> in a week, and now you want a mathematical equation that you should know so you can Save the world? Susie Poo, I promise I will make it up to you as soon as possible. You can make it up to me now. What? I want to hear it. Not right now. Yes, now, Dusty Bun. Susie Poo, this is urgent. Yes, yes, you're saving the world. I heard you the first time, but Dead is also saving Earthsea, and he's about to confront the shadows, so this is Susie signing off. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay. Okay. Shit. <laughs> 
turn around. <laughs> Look at what you see in her face. The mirror of your Do we want to hear this whole thing? <laughs> All right. <laughs> you don't need the whole thing, yeah, but, but they but sing the beautiful. whole thing. <laughs> Yeah. They do sing the whole thing, and it's yeah. a great moment, especially if you're an 80s fan, if you're a fan of the never-ending story, yeah. then that moment had you jumping out of your skin. It yeah. was so fun. So, so fun. Uh, quick question. Sarah, Did you uh, do you actually know the song Never-Ending Story or, and or the movie? Uh, honestly, I, no. I didn't know about it until oh, okay. that time. Okay. <laughs> Have you seen the movie? <laughs> no, I didn't even know it was a thing. Oh, what? my God, okay. Sarah. I'm Sarah, sorry. You haven't you seen the never-ending story? Oh, Ballcore, the Luck Dragon. <laughs> Apparently, they're remaking it, so you can see it then. Sarah, you have like tonight. You have like tonight. You have to go watch the original. Never. You have. Is it on to. Netflix? I don't care where it is. You have to see it. <laughs> okay, like, like, well, it, I'll watch like, it. Sarah, it is a crime against nature that you have not seen the Never. <laughs> like more than any other person on Earth, Sarah, you. Need to see the never ending story. Okay, okay. There's oh, wait, two wait, wait, wait. need to watch, and that's the Princess Bride and Never Ending Story. They're no, like... there's there's a third. There's a third, Sarah, and I know you probably are going to tell me that you love the Labyrinth, right? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Labyrinth, absolutely. You ever oh seen my it? god, you're going to hate me so much. Oh, Sarah, you haven't seen, seen, seen the Labyrinth? I'm sorry. But, okay, <laughs> let me let me tell you this: there there is a place where you can watch the Labyrinth, and that is on. Netflix. Netflix. It's on Netflix. <laughs> I, I think I broke it. I can't do this. I'm sorry. I'll watch them all just for you guys. Sarah, tonight, the labyrinth <laughs> and the never ending story. Oh my god. <laughs> and while you're at it, throw in legend. Legend. legend? Oh wow. Tom Tom, Tom, Cruise. Cruise, Tom Cruise. Tim Rice. Okay. Uh, amazing played, fantasy the, from the 80s. Who played the devil? Again? Tim Rice. Tim Rice. Uh, why am I drawing a blank? No, I feel like that was someone else. Am I wrong? I feel like you're wrong. Um, no, I feel Tim like Curry. Tim Curry. Tim, Tim Curry. Curry. There you go. Thank you. I always, I always get those two names confused. Tim uh, Curry. There you go. Rice and Curry go well, hand in hand, though. So yes, right, you, Rice and Curry go together. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I will make a mental note of watching those. Okay, Legend definitely third after, for Christ's sake, Sarah. Running story. La- Labyrinth. Holy. Labyrinth. <laughs> David Bowie is a labyrinth. Like, yeah. oh my god! Okay, um, <laughs> and you gotta throw in Princess Bride. I'm sorry, but that's like a staple as well. Okay, you you have seen Princess Bride long time ago. Okay, okay. at least you've seen at it. At least you at least you've seen it. Okay, <laughs> I'm familiar with the characters, but honestly, I don't really remember the pl- plot line that much. Okay, well, there is four movies from the '80s that like are absolute must see viewing. Uh, okay. Labyrinth. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> The Never Ending Story, Absolutely. Legend, and you've already seen. Uh, sorry, what was the fourth one? I blanked on it. Fuck. Um, uh, say the Princess Bride. She says she saw that. Princess Bride, right? Yeah. Okay. I have to rewatch that. I think. Okay. Back to Stranger Things, though. Yes. Back uh, to Stranger Things. <laughs> so it looks like it looks like Hopper's dead. And uh, look, I, I want to know uh, how the two of you feel about this. I, I want to okay. know if you if you agree with me that it's obvious that he's that not dead. He's still alive. Um, right at the very end, if uh, if you guys watch the post credit scene, um, there was a scene where uh, um, a guy 
is like sitting in jail and they're like, okay, get the, uh, get the prisoner. Yeah. Get the prisoner, but not the American. So clearly the American is hot. The Russians, the Russians have a mysterious American prisoner at the end of this. Right. Um, Yeah. If they wanted you to know that Hopper was dead, they would have shown you Hopper dead. Like in every single character yeah. that has died in the show, they, okay. like you've seen them die. Yeah, okay, I so I just, I just, I just wanted to get that out of the way. So all three of us agree that it was obvious that Hopper's not dead at Hopper's the end of this, so right? For sure. Okay, so the audience 100. in general, we don't have to like, we can trust that the audience gets this, right? That mm-hmm. obviously Hopper's alive. It's set up for next year. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk about this post-credit scene even more. Uh, so what we get, what we find out in this post-credit scene, back in Russia, they still have the facility where they're opening up their own portal to the Upside Down. Yeah. Back in Russia, they have um, some mysterious American prisoner in their dungeon, and uh, we don't know for sure, but we can assume, I think, pretty safely that it's Hopper. Yeah. <laughs> 100% agreed. The third big reveal is they have a demigorgon. Yep. Yeah. Yes, so we boy. haven't seen we haven't seen the demigorgon since the end of season one, but this we see him full on full body shot. The 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 demigorgon or a new demigorgon yep. um, is a prisoner in this Russian base, and they feed they're feeding him people. Yeah, R- refresh so, my mind. Did we see Doctor Brenner die? No, Doctor no. Brenner is still alive. What if he's the American? He could be, be. Yeah, you're right. the American could be a couple of different people. And if we want to talk about my theories for season four, I think we're going to, I think we're going to see Dr. Brenner play, play a very important role in season four. If you want to get there, so, but let's, talk, let, let, let's, let's just wrap up season three first. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I just want to say, put a point on it. This is my favorite season of stranger things so far. Absolutely. Um, but but with the caveat, like I said earlier, that it wouldn't be so great if it didn't have two seasons that it built upon um, to make me love it. The reason I love it is because now we've got all of this backstory specific to this own specific to these characters mm. that were that we're paying off all the setup on. So for me, Stranger Things season three, I'm giving it a nine out of ten. I love it. Yeah. I really love it. I recommend it to everybody, yeah. uh, especially if you're a fan of '80s stuff. But um, that's where I'm at with it, and I want to know how you guys feel. So, Kev, I'm there on. with you, man. Nine, yeah. Oh, I absolutely love the season. Okay, one hundred percent. And uh, one of the, one of the main things that I loved about this season was all the subplots that they threw into the into the season, and how they just combined and connected right there at the end. I absolutely love the writing. Uh, that was like one of the first things I said about this season. Like when I was uh, after watching, I'm like phenomenal writing it was so good well, and funny amazing like uh yeah there's i can honestly say there was not a single episode of this season that i that i didn't like where season two i made it very clear that i hated that one episode i was like episode five whatever it was fuck that right, episode right, right. i hate that episode right right right, right, right. <laughs> well yeah no this one i absolutely loved it so nine out of ten nine out of ten for me as well cool sarah Oh, me too. All across yep. the board. Nine out of ten. Yep. yep. Your favorite sure. season so far? Three. Three, for sure. Yeah? Cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. Me too. So we all agree. Cool. Uh, everybody go see Stranger Things Season 3. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, watch it immediately. Yeah. Season 4. You want to know what I think is going to happen in Season 4? I'll tell you. Can Are you I, ready? Can I say something real quick before yep, you say ahead. it? Yep. Do you think that we're going to see a Karate Kid 2 uh, thing happen where the kids go to Russia? 
Do you think? Yes, I like do. That? Ah, there you go. There you go. Yes, I do. So, uh, let me tell you. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Talk to me. So this is what I think happened. Yeah. Hopper. At the last moment, there was a shot right before the machine blew up where Hopper was no longer standing where he was. Like they showed Hopper standing right in front of the machine. Yeah. They showed him, they showed him telling Winona Ryder, okay, go ahead, do it. Yeah. Then they showed Winona Ryder turning the keys. Then they showed the machine blowing up and Hopper was not standing there anymore. No, he, he had already vanished before the machine blew up. Yeah. So this is what happened. Hopper went into the upside down and Hopper came out in Russia on the Russian side right. and then, and then was immediately captured and thrown in jail in Russia. Right. So what's happening here is the Russians still have a portal to the upside down and the portal on our side may not be completely closed. And, and, a, and the great tip off for that is in the very end, Paul Reiser and the U S army show up. Right. Mm. And it, this ends with, well, near the end of it, we see Paul Reiser in the facility, looking at the machine, looking at the wall, and looking really scared. Right. So, the, in my opinion, what's happening here in season four is either we're going to open up that portal again, and we're going to travel to Russia through the upside down. This is what I think is going to happen, okay? Mm. The portal's going to be opened up on the Russian side. The portal's going to be opened up on the American side. The Russians and the Americans are going to go to war through the upside down. Oh boy! In the upside down, right. you're gonna have a rush. You're gonna have a Russian army entering the upside down on the Russian side. You're gonna have the American army entering the upside down on the American side, including the kids, including our heroes. And yes, you're going to have a war between the U.S. and Russia taking place through the interdimensional portal of the upside down. Interesting. Very and, interesting theory. All right. And we're going to find out that Dr. Brennan created the Mind Flayer. Hold on for this. The Mind Flayer is number one. Ooh. The Mind Flayer is the first creation of Dr. Brennan and, MK and Project MKUltra. Right. And the Upside Down is a dimension that was created in those original experiments. And the reason, in season one, when Matthew Modine, when, when L comes across the 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 demigorgon in the upside down and starts to like all this scary stuff starts to happen matthew modine sends her back he's like i want to know he's he's interested in this demigorgon he wants to know he wants to be connected he's he sends her back to the demigorgon why is that we haven't had it explained yet and i'm sure we're going to find out either in season four or in season five, however long this goes, mm. that the reason is the mind flare was his first experiment and he wants him back. He wants to recall the mind flare and he wants to control him basically. Like this is all like a weapons project, right? This is all the government trying to create uh, super, super weapons so that, you know, basically for world domination, for the cold war, for the war between the U S and Russia. That's how this whole thing basically starts off with project MK ultra, which is a cold war government CIA project. Um, the whole intention is to defeat Russia. That's the whole purpose of everybody in this era of history. So my theory, and this is not a theory I invented. This is a theory that a lot of people are, have out there already on the internet. So mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not taking credit for inventing this. I'm not a genius, but I absolutely believe this. Dr. Brennan created the Mind Flayer first, and every iteration he's had after that has been 
um, an attempt to get it right. Um, and the Mind Flayer is now so powerful based on the events of what happened in this season. And L is now so weakened. Basically, she ends this season with no powers at all, which is yeah. why she can't, which is why L can't just psychically figure out that Hopper's still alive yet, because she has no powers, which is a great thing, right? Because otherwise, I would have said this is bad writing. Like, L wouldn't have assumed that Hopper was dead. L would have, like, sensed it or gone to look for him psychically or something, but she can't. She has no powers anymore. Mm. So, great writing again. Um, but, I, but I'm sure in season four, I don't know how the rifts are going to open. I don't know exactly how that's going to play out, whether the U.S. government's going to open their side um, and then go through, or whether the Russians going to open their side. I don't know what, how exactly that's going to play out, but we're going to see portals open in Russia and the U.S. Mm-hmm. We're going to see people traveling back and forth between Russia and the U.S. through the Upside Down. And I believe in the very end, we're going to see a war in the Upside Down between oh, Russia and God! Russia. <laughs> My theory. There you Your go. guys' fi- final thoughts, guys. We got to wrap this up. How do you feel? What do you think? Go ahead, sir. Oh, um, I like that theory. I'm here yes. for that. But um, the only thing that sucks about Stranger Things is that they upload every single episode right away. So you binge watch it, then you have to wait an entire year for the next season. Yeah. And that makes me sad. Uh, but it's bittersweet because then you don't have to wait for the other episodes. Right. But mm-hmm. honestly, I love this season. So I'm, I'm very happy with how they. Went about, yeah. and I'm really excited about Robin. I like her, right? right. And Ro- and Robin turning out in the end to not actually be a love interest for Steve, yeah. but to be yeah. but to be an LGBT character, yeah. and for and for her to just be like Steve's good friend. Another fantastic, realistic storytelling can, uh, moment. Can I throw another quick one in there yeah. as well? Yeah. Um, they also kind of tease Will being gay as well. Yes, and I so, think that's another thing that we're, we're gonna. We're, I think we're gonna find out that in season four, or season five, um, that you know, Will is going to have to because Will is the character who's left behind. Yeah. All of his friends are growing up, and they're kind of teenagers, and he's still kind of a little boy who wants to play D anD. d And I, I didn't really get to talk about this, but like I loved this part of the story as well. This was so real to me mm-hmm. because I I was a little boy who had a group of friends who played D and D. And I remember going from the eighth grade to the ninth grade. And I remember the conversations we'd have about, should we still be doing this stuff? Is it, is it too childish? Like, when are we going to like put these things aside and grow up and kind of, it's almost like the theme of my podcast, right? Like it's like, what is childish and what is not, what is okay. Um, you know, and what, and what do you have to let go of as you grow up? And, Mm -hmm. It was so real to me, the scenes in this, like where where Will and Mike were, were talking to each other, like, did you think we were just going to sit in a basement and play D&D forever? Yeah. And Will, yeah. says, Will says, yeah, I kind of did. That is real, okay? Yeah. I don't, if, you're, if you're watching that and you don't understand, that is the, th- those are conversations that I had with my friends yeah. in the ninth grade, in, in the eighth grade. Like, um, such wonderful writing. Um, and, and especially if you're an 80s kid, uh, there's so much going on here that will feel, like I said, I feel like they took a camera and pointed at my childhood. Only, <laughs> only in this version of my childhood, yeah. there are no, demons and monsters. Yeah, I was going to say, there's no uh, Demogorgons. Right. <laughs> so as we, far we, as we know. Yeah, there you we, go. They're we, all in the we gotta wrap, we We got to wrap this up, guys. Um, That's so. The end? Yeah, I'm afraid so, <laughs> Janet. I'm afraid so, Janet. Sarah, thank you for joining us tonight. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't let you talk much. <laughs> I didn't have much to say. I'm just here to listen and input when I feel it. 
Yeah, good. I wanted to have you on because I know you're a Stranger Things fan. I know you cried after you watched it. Oh, um, ugly sobbed. It was an ugly, it, ugly sob. It was super sad. It was super sad. Even though we knew Hopper was alive, though, it was still sad to watch our characters uh, mourning him, wasn't it? Like, and and that and that letter that that he wrote uh, oh. to Elle in the in the first episode, and then we saw her read in the last episode. Such a beautiful moment. And again, I just want to say great writing again. Like such a setup and payoff. Setup and payoff. Yeah. Um, so beautifully done. Um, but thank sure. you. But thank you for joining us, Sarah. Everybody check yeah, out Sarah's you. Instagram. She's at Sarah Canary. She's always got awesome cosplay photos. She's thank always got, always working on new awesome cosplays. What do you got coming up, Sarah? Uh, just photo shoots this weekend. I'm doing Glow. It's like a, a female wrestling show. Which, uh, um, that's an amazing show. show by Glow way. is one of my favorite shows. Yeah, it's a great show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, my uh, friend and I are doing uh, the Toxic Twins. Oh, which is fantastic! I and love then that. more Wonder Woman shoots at the Scarborough Bluffs, and then uh, Fan Expo. So. Awesome! Oh, yeah, that's I, and, the corner. Yeah. And and guys, guys, I haven't even said it yet, but there's some news coming about Fan Expo that I can't say yet, but it's related to the show. Um, it's related to somebody close to the show. I'm going to have a big announcement about Fan Expo this year, and it's going to be like some exciting um, news uh, uh, at Fan Expo um, in the family of Too Old for this podcast. I can't say anything more than that right now. I'm not allowed, but. Um, are we I'm meeting have Travolta? Some... Are we meeting Travolta? Uh, I don't. I don't know if we're going to meet Travolta, <laughs> um, but um, I am going to have some exciting news about Fan Expo coming up. Um, hopefully, next episode, I'm going to see if I can get clearance to talk about it by then, because right. um, Fan Expo soon. But Sarah, uh, before we let you go, is there anything you want people to check out of yours online, or anything you want me to point people towards? I, I honestly don't really have anything right now that's new and exciting. Just okay, so just your Instagram. <laughs> okay so everybody check out her instagram at sarah canary and uh and follow along with what sarah's got going on don't forget Thank to watch never ending story yeah definitely yeah I and next see... time you're on sarah i'm going to ask you for your review of never ending story <laughs> we want to oh! see in a tray uh, the labyrinth we want to see in a tray uh cosplay hmm? <laughs> we want to see a tray cosplay that's uh when you, you watch like the dark crystal <laughs> when you watch it you'll know what i'm talking about uh, Atreyu. Atreyu is from uh, was it's from a character uh, from Never Ending Story. Cool. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> All right. cool. We will catch up with you, and we will ask for your review of that next time you are on. But we got to really go now, Kevy Evy, um, DJ Kevy Kev. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know uh, what it's going to say. <laughs> thank you, thank you for listening to episode twenty-two of Too Old for This Podcast. Tune in very soon for episode twenty-three, where we will be reviewing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino's newest film. And um, you know, I guess uh, all that's left to say is I'm Jeremy Dove, and I am Kevin Evans. So just chill till the next episode. <laughs>